Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Travel Times. Now, it's been a while since we've actually gotten a Travel Times episode up and running. So um, I'm glad that I could finally get this one done. It's been on my agenda for a while. So today is episode 20 of Travel Times, and it's Travel Times Amana. And I'm going to be talking to you about one of the premier tourist attractions in Iowa and how you can experience that for yourself. And rather than talk to somebody else this time, I'm going to be uh, talking to you myself because this is a place that my family has had uh, been going for well before my mother was born even. So uh, I think we probably qualify as well as anybody to talk about Amana. But before we get doing that, let's just take a minute and... talk about our travel time, first, or, uh, our housekeeping. And the first thing I want to remind everybody is that if you want to call into the show, either to just listen or to talk, you can call 714-242-5253. That's 714-242-5253. Or toll free 1-877-633-9389. That's one eight seven seven six three three nine three eight nine, and that is the toll-free number. Now, at any time when we're having a live episode, you can uh, come to blogtalkradio.com slash trundlebedtales, and you should, unless there's some technical issue, be able to chat in the chat room and to live stream the show. If you're also interested in listening to any of the episodes later, you can also uh, do an archive stream from the same uh, address as the one uh, to the same address that you would listen to the live stream from. The, the URL stays the same. And I wanted to make sure everybody knew that this Wednesday uh, we're going to be having another episode. We are really getting back on schedule here for our episodes. I am happy to say. And our guest is going to be Nancy Westlake. Nancy is uh, the lady who worked with Mary Evans and put together the student and teacher information about Laura Ingalls Wilder from the Herbert Hoover Presidential Library. Now, a lot uh, library's website. Now, a lot of teachers I know use that information, so I think this is just going to be a great chance to talk to Nancy and. Uh, get some sort of background and how she developed it in the first place. And I think it'll be uh, an added help to anybody who's using the project or the information in their classroom. And there is certainly a lot there. And as a reminder, you can call in using those same numbers I just gave you. And it's going to be at... Uh, 
It's going to be at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 p.m. Central Time, 8 p.m. Mountain Time, or 6 p.m. Pacific Time this coming Wednesday. And uh, I hope that we will get see a lot of you then. And I think basically the only other housekeeping I have is that I have uh, three other people who I'm hopefully going to be getting interviewed with sometime in the next month. I don't have dates to give you yet, but uh, I've got the questions ready for a couple of them, and it's just a matter of getting our schedules lined up so that we can uh, get those dates out to you, which we'll be doing as soon as possible. And we are going to have a lot going on in April, so be sure to check out our uh, brand new April update for our monthly update status. So that's about it for housekeeping. And yes, we had some extra dishes today. So to get back to the travel, we are going to be talking about Amana. Now, uh, in case you are unfamiliar with the area, Amana is what is basically called seven villages that are located. Um, it really, they cross a couple counties, but they're a, a group called the Amana Colonies that are made up of seven towns and the farm life surrounding them. Uh, they also are the people who did the Amana appliances, which uh, have been, uh, which you can still get a ban Amana brand today. And the seven villages are. Where did list I was going to go to. But they are uh, Main Amana, Middle Amana, High Amana, South Amana, uh, and Homestead. Did I get all seven there? My list I was going to read. There we are. All right. No, I didn't get them all. All right. Here we go. Main Amana, East Amana, West Amana, South Amana, High Amana, and Middle Amana, and Homestead. The name Amana comes from uh, the Song of Solom Solomon, verse or chapter four, verse eight, and Amana means to remain true. They, uh, when they came in in 1855 and uh, set up these original colonies, uh, they chose to name all six, or the, all six that they had at the time, some variation on Amana. The village of Homestead, which you can guess is the outlier, was actually purchased and added later in 1861 because Homestead was on the railroad track, and that gave them a, a good place to get in and off the railroad, which was really important on whether something survived back then. But I am, um, and uh, I'm, the these seven villages are located roughly near Iowa City, Iowa, and Cedar Rapids, Iowa. It's sort of in this um, corridor off to the side a little bit. Uh, they are not located right on I-80, but they are an easy drive away from it. And um, 
I think anybody who's passing through the state should definitely consider giving uh, um, uh, giving a man a stop. I uh, am getting ahead of myself though because I wanted to, before I actually talked about what you can see and do in a manna, I wanted to go back and tell you a little bit about two different batches of history that I think are going to help you appreciate a manna more in your visit. The first one is about the history of a manna itself. A manna started out as a utopia colony. Now, right now, dystopias seem to be really popular in live entertainment. It used to be that people were that excited about a utopia. The difference being a utopia is a place where people were able to come and create a perfect society to perfect the world, to perfect life. A dystopia is where humanity has totally messed up everything and everything good is gone and now you are basically fighting for survival. So, for instance, um, The Hunger Games is really big right now or Planet of the Eight, those are all dystopia things. But Utopia, um, based on the novel called Utopia by Thomas More, um, used to be such a big thing that people actually thought they could do this. They could create a utopia. And there were lots of utopia uh, colonies that started out all over uh, America during the 19th century. Uh, The Shaker communities, I think, are probably some of the best known. The Oneida colony, which is now still carried on in form of the silverware company, which was actually started to help support the colony in the first place. Um, There were lots of these. But the one that is probably the most successful, the most long-lasting, was the Amana colony. And these were people who started in Germany They had a leader called Christian Metz, and they hoped to find religious freedom in America, and so they left Germany. At first, uh, they pooled their resources because communal living was part of how they viewed utopia, and they had purchased uh, about 5,000 acres near Buffalo, New York. Um, But as they got to the situation, they were doing so well, the community was growing, They really needed to expand, and there wasn't a lot of land available for sale in New York, so they decided to come west, and they ended up in Iowa on the Iowa River Valley. They got here in 1855 and established, because they were dealing with more than 1,200 people by then, and they were able to buy 26,000 acres and constructed these villages. Now, people uh, who joined the organization, the the religion, got a home. They got their medical care taken care of. They got their meals taken care of, all household necessities, schooling for their children. Property and resources were shared. And uh, in order to make this possible, the men and women, nobody received a wage They were just assigned jobs by their village council, so that would be what you would do in return. You've got all your needs taken care of. They did uh, farming and production of fabric, but then they did all sorts of little, uh, little other factory jobs. And in fact, 
well-crafted products became a hallmark of the Amanis, which is really true today. The Amana name really has continually meant quality. One of the things that I think is most interesting to me as somebody who's interested in food, and since we're basically going to be talking about the restaurants later, I'm hoping that you're interested too, uh, they had over 50 communal kitchens that provided three daily meals and also a mid-morning and mid-afternoon snack to all colonists. The, women, the kitchens were operated by the women of the colony and got their supplies from the village smokehouse, the village bakery, the village ice house, the village dairy, and they had huge gardens, orchards, and, and vineyards that were maintained by the, the villagers. And what normally happens to break down a utopia colony is the first generation does really well because they voluntarily chose to do this. And then usually somewhere in the second generation, somebody points out that there's a flaw in the system, that if you don't do your share of work, they actually kick you out of the colony. There's not a lot they can do. So that second generation normally gets kind of restless, is less committed to doing their job, and problems arise. That really didn't happen too much in the Amanda where they actually got into trouble with the Great Depression. They were doing fine. And then even as, as far as we can tell from the, from the records available, even during the 1920s, where a lot of Iowa was having issues, the manas were doing great still. But as the economic problems grew elsewhere, the stresses, on the economic survival of the colony themselves got worse and worse, uh, had all sorts of trouble. They also, unfortunately, which was, was a fine and noble thing in normal, normal times, was that if anybody showed up at one of their mealtimes, they would feed them whether they were really part of the colony or not, which was a nice and noble thing in normal times. But when all the people lost their jobs in the 30s, they were trying to continue to do this, and these large numbers of, of outside people kept showing up, and they really didn't know how to deal with, with this. And then there were some pressures from the younger generation to try something else. But what they did, even in the 1930s, when these pressures uh, came on them and really meant they didn't think they could continue in a communal lifestyle. They, a way to sort of maintain part of that, and instead of disbanding completely, they became a corporation. And everybody who had been a member of the church, who had worked and built up these enterprises, were given shares in this corporation. And this corporation took on all of the tasks that... Um, they'd had for the church before as far as jobs and uh, but the uh, part of the everyday life, the uh, you know, providing meals, providing the medical care, all that went away. But as far as providing jobs, they kept doing that and they still had kind of a voice in what they were doing because they had shares and they were given money, you know, share the profits as shareholders. And I think at that point they started having wages too. 
the communal kitchens are broken up, but a lot of these other places continue to function around the Amanis. And you can, if you want to learn about any of that stuff, you can visit the Amana Heritage Museum in Maine, Amana, the Communal Kitchen and Cooper Shop in Middle Amana, the High Amana General Store in High Amana, the Communal Agricultural Museum in South Amana, the Amana Community Church Museum in Homestead, the Homestead Store Museum in Homestead, and the Homestead Blacksmith Shop in Homestead. The other part of history that I want to mention is not the experience of um, the religious experience of the Amanis, but sort of their uh, more 20th, 21st century experience. They were a great tradition. It used to be that Iowa City really have a great culinary tradition of their own. There were some good parts, the uh, Czech element, for example, on Cedar Rapids. But for the most part, that really wasn't um, a strength of the area. But they did have surrounding areas that had that strength. There were, there's a really strong supper club tradition in the area. And there used to be towns specialized in having restaurants. One of these was West Branch, which even, as, even when I was in high school had six currently operating steakhouses. The Amanas was the other. You went to the Amanas for um, the experience, you know, for special events, for Sunday dinner every single week. And so it was a real experience type thing. Sadly, what happened when they built Coral Ridge Mall was a lot of chain restaurants came in and settled around the mall. And people began going to those chain restaurants, mostly in Coralville, to some extent to the more chain restaurants that moved into Cedar Rapids. But that local tradition really was severely impacted which is really too bad because they were great places to eat and you, I think, could get a better meal than you can at a lot of the chain places. In uh, West Branch, as I mentioned, all six of those steakhouses have gone broke since I, since I, I was in high school. It's been a while, but not all that long. The, and the Amanas have had to struggle a little bit. They are not taking it lying down. And they are, they, for instance, if you go to their website, amanacolonies.com, you will discover that they pretty much, especially during the summer, pretty much have events going every single weekend. They have a professional theater company at the Old Creamer Theater that is always has at least one play in production, often two. They have all sorts of stores, some of which are the traditional Amana craft stores, so the Amana Woolen Mill, of the Amana Furniture Company, and others that are kind of more new wavy things, uh, sort of gift store kind of things. Or uh, so, for instance, there's a brewery in town now it makes excellent root beer, by the way, if you're interested. And then uh, the kitchen sink. That sells culinary stuff. I really like that one. But there, there's uh, always kind of an overturn, and there's all sorts of kind of knick-knacky um, 
different kind of things. And there's also a, a new food element that's moving in. In Amana, there used to be probably twice as many Amana-style restaurants as there are now. My favorite one, the Brick House, is closed. And a couple others. So right now, the three that are Amana-style restaurants are the Colony, Colony Inn restaurant, the Oxyoke Inn restaurant, the Ronenberg restaurant. But they also have all sorts of other little restaurants there, little trendy things like the Chocolate House, uh, which is very good. There's uh, all sorts of uh, different little restaurants and things. Um, and there are one, two, three, six uh, vineyards that are open in the area. Oh, uh, Serena's Coffee Cafe. I think that's the one that had the Italian uh, sodas that I really like. So, I mean, it, it, it's really kind of changed its character a little bit. But you can certainly go there between the museums and the shopping. You can spend the day, and you should definitely plan on taking a couple of hours and eating a full Amana-style meal. And uh, that's what I wanted to uh, give you the how-to insider's guide of. Now, as I mentioned, you're going to want to go to the Amana Colony, which you can get to off of I-80, and you can get to off of Highway 6. So there's a route either way. And then there's uh, another way coming from the north. Oh, and if you go in the spring, be sure to drive by the Lily Pond, which they are rightfully famous for. It's a huge pond, completely covered with lilies, and when they are blooming, it is well worth your trip just to see that. So anyway, you go to one of the three uh, restaurants. Now, you're given, most of them now, you're given a choice. You can either order a la carte in which you are buying just a meal like you would at a normal restaurant, or you can get them family style. And as long as you aren't traveling by yourself, you really want family style. So what does that mean? It means that you uh, give a choice of the entrees, which can be, I always like the roast beef myself, but they have everything from, uh, they have roast beef, they have oven-baked steak, manna ham, traditional chicken, uh, ribeye, catfish, though that is uh, not always available daily, check on that. Uh, salmon, shrimp, all kinds of things. And depending on how many are in your party, oh, share, um, chicken schnitzel, uh, just all sorts of stuff. If, um, and depending on how many are in your party, oh, sauerbraten, I was going to mention sauerbraten. Got to love that too. So there's all these different meats that you can pick. And depending on how many are in your party is, usually depends on how many meats that you order. You can also get, at most of the three restaurants now, a uh, side dish plate in which you can just eat sides instead of trying to eat, uh, or instead of eating the, the meat too. And I really highly recommend that. While the meat is very good, uh, usually their portions are big enough that the sides are a meal in themselves and the meat is a meal itself. If you're going to get the meat, uh, plan on taking 
a good part of it home with you because they are just huge portions. Unless you are just starving and have a really big appetite, that's my recommendation. It's just eat with the sides because the sides are wonderful. So as they list them, you get two chilled salads of the day, steamed vegetable, real potatoes with gravy, and a selection of bread. Uh, tangy sauerkraut uh, is served upon a request. And that's one of the differences between the three restaurants, whether you can get sauerkraut or not. The hot sauerkraut, oh, it is so good. It is, I live there for that. So if you like hot sauerkraut, make sure you're at one of the restaurants that offers that. They, some, whether or not they offer hot sauerkraut, they will often also do a sauerkraut salad that I am told is very good, but as I do not want to waste time on that when there's the hot sauerkraut coming, that is so good. Uh, that's quite often one of the, the cold dishes. Another thing they have a specialty of is cottage cheese, which they dress very differently than normal cottage cheese, so it has a very different taste that is uh, to die for. It is my other favorite. Those are the things that I think, you know, if they brought me that, I, I would be happy. They didn't, wouldn't have to bring me anything. Else. Well, that and the bread. If they brought me the sauerkraut, hot sauerkraut, the... Uh, a man of bread and the cottage cheese, I could fill up just on that because it is really wonderful. But uh, they also, a lot of times, will have a sort of cold sauce salad that, again, very good. Sometimes they'll have a fresh green salad. It kind of depends. Uh, a lot of times, steamed vegetables, corn, but that can differ. Potatoes with gravy is a normal thing. You will sometimes... Uh, if, if you're at a slower time of day, instead of having that, they'll give you fried potatoes. It's a hard thing for me to say which one's better. I like them both. Uh, and the breads, really, a man of bread is, is done in the Amana Bakery. And I just cannot, I, I, have, I have, I like bread. I have eaten in bakeries and restaurants all over the place, and I have never found the equal of a man of bread. It is just delicious. They bring it out, usually half white, half wheat, so you can take what you want. Ask for extra butter because you, you'll you want it, both for the bread and for you want to put a little extra butter on some of the other things, which I always do. So that's a tip. Ask for extra butter. And they normally bring out... Again, this can change a little bit depending on when you're there, if it's they're busy or not, and which of the three restaurants you go to. But normally they bring out the cold stuff first. So they bring out uh, like the bread and the cottage cheese and the cold sauce, that's what they're having, or the you know whatever salad, and they have that first. Do not let that fool you because do not get too filled up on the early stuff because there is a second set of dishes coming that are sides. And, oh, by the way, if you empty any of these dishes, ask for more. They will keep filling them up the entire time you are there eating. Yeah, you can't take any home. So if you don't think you'll be able to finish it, don't ask for it if you're just going to take a little bit. But if you're still hungry, keep asking for more. They will keep bringing it, and it is all so good. So you had the first course, and that was all the cold stuff. Then the second course is the hot stuff. So the hot vegetable, the hot sauerkraut. Usually you ask for another uh, basket of bread by then. 
which you should. Keep eating the bread. It is just amazing. Bread and butter. Oh. So, and then, uh, and then you get the, the meat, which by then I am way too full to do more than taste a little bit and usually always bring it home. If I get the roast beef, it's quite often uh, served with a, a spiced apple. And I eat the spiced apple and I can get maybe one little portion of the, the roast beef done. But anymore, a lot of times we'll just get this, this side dish plate if that's uh, an option because honestly, it's enough. You just, there is so much food here, you cannot believe the amount of food you're going to get. So if you are going to an Amana restaurant, go with somebody else, at least two of you, so it'll justify doing the family style. Do not waste time on the a la carte stuff. Who cares? You do not want to treat this like it is a normal restaurant. You want to come here and gorge on the stuff of manna stuff. So get here, get family style, get the sides, ask to refill things over and over and over again, buy the drink that is separate. Uh, depending on the restaurant, the dessert may or may not be included. If it isn't included, get it anyway, despite the fact you're too full. A slice of cheesecake on top of all of that is just perfection. Now, that's not something that you're going to be doing every single um, day, of course, but it's especially if this is your only chance to go. And if you live in the area, if you live anywhere in eastern Iowa or western Illinois or northern Missouri, and you have not made the trip to the Amana colonies yet, you need to do it. Um, and make and plan on coming for a meal. Um, oh, and I should have mentioned one thing that's a little odd. Now, Amanas aren't Amish. Amish, although that is also a religious settlement, they have different rules and different things. Amana people, um, although they have a traditional outfit, tend to, most of the people now are, are modern people uh, as far as the way they dress and the way they live. So, I mean, it isn't like they're here in, in horses and buggies. Amana's uh, citizens drive cars and there are cars there, but the towns were set up before that was the case and a lot of the, the businesses are kind of clumped together. So there isn't always a great parking space. So it, you're best off to go to one of the restaurants, which normally have, um, which all three of them have large parking lots, but they're kind of behind the restaurant. And park your car there. Go in and eat, and then look around at the, the other things. Now, if you're going to be going to another one of the villages, then you'll have to you know, get your car again. But like, uh, if you're going to be walking around Maine, Amanda, park it at one of the restaurants, and then walk around. It is a very walkable town. Go in the stores you walk by, poke around. It is just great fun. It can totally take a day, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. And I spent so much time on the lead-up. We actually 
have been recording for a little bit, but I wanted to make sure that I really got across. Uh, I, I think the history helps enjoy and understand what's going on in the Amanas, but I sure hope you get an opportunity to stop by and eat there before long. 